Hello, everyone. It's me, Maximus. I'm here with Boobs Like Jagger and Virtual Spectre for, <laughs> for this evening's Tome of Knowledge. I don't know where my head was going, but it was just like we're going there. <laughs> it worked. It, it works. Yeah, I mean, it, it worked about as, as, as well as it could for a day like today. Hope you're all having a fantastic evening. If you don't know, Tome of Knowledge is our show where we talk about anything and everything D&D, just based on whatever we feel like. Uh, in today's episode... We're going to be talking about magic items. Ooh, shiny. Yeah. That's part of D&D, right? Loot. The shiniest part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People love loot. That's the reason you go adventuring. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. That literally was in the, in the first edition of D&D. <laughs> it was just to get your loot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe that in early D&D, your, your experience was tied to how much gold you got as well. So the more gold that you earned, the more experience you had. Hmm. So if you spent that gold, would you lose experience? I don't know. I didn't, I, I wasn't going to go that deep into it. I haven't played oh, it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember reading about it. <laughs> yeah. And we're all glad that VS is internet again. Yeah. I was so frustrating last, uh, a few <laughs> days ago. Mm -hmm. ISPs. You can't do just anything can't win. about it. <laughs> yeah. You just can't win at all. Uh, I wanted to play so bad. Uh, I, w I just kept like checking the, the internet like every five minutes leading up to like the last half hour before the stream started just to see like, did they restore it? They restore it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that even that. Damn. They pulled the yeah, rug out from under it. you. Yeah. But you're here now. Here and now. That's what's important. And I will say mm -hmm. too, I'll inv invite everyone in the audience that's watching uh, live. If you have any questions about magic items, please put them in the chat because we're talking about everything magic items today. Yeah, because I'm one of you that doesn't know much about them. <laughs> I think we had, I think I had one or two in our first campaign. You had more than that. Yeah, because I ended up buying one. So I like three or four maybe. Yeah, a sword and a belt. Kept you warm. The boots. That's, um, yeah. Yeah, two different boots, right? I just had the so wintertime boots or the cold boots. Didn't you, you have those springing and striding boots before we got you the warm boots? Oh, I don't think I don't think that the, those were given out in campaign one. In other words, but you did have the um, I, I bought the a belt. protection. I had one made. Yeah. Yeah. You had the oh, the belt. belt yes. Mm -hmm. I got the belt so early on that I completely forgot. Because <laughs> I never took it off, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Nor should you. Um, Green Knight style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. That's a great movie. So good. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> so I, I guess the topic of magic items is just like a vast, huge pool that we could dive into. Uh, I guess I'll just do my best to just jump in where I think we can jump in. We can just talk about it. Uh, mm -hmm. I will say that the rules about magic items specifically are in a couple different places. Um, the the meat and the potatoes, if you don't want to pay for anything, it's in the basic rules. It talks about it. So if you don't have the DMG or anything, you can get it from the basic rules. Uh, but most of the information is in the Dun Dungeon Master's Guide. There's also uh, additional information in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, the, the book they released after which changes and enhances some things. Uh, and then um, pretty much 
I think in almost every adventure book and a lot of the source books, there's new magic items in them because <laughs> there's so there's so many <laughs> magic yeah. items out there. <laughs> I think, yeah, there's so many magical items that's to like mundane to like super crazy powerful magic stuff. Like you, you really don't need to make your own magic items unless you really want to, mm-hmm. or if you want to like make something custom for your players that would help enhance their play style or, you know, emulate something that their, their theme is going for. But yeah, there's, there's ridiculous amount. So, so many magic items. Insane. Yeah. I think one thing you kind of touched on, but there's an an important sort of um, hierarchy of magic items. So they come in uh, a couple of different flavors, I guess you could say, but there's a couple of tiers of magic item. Um, Rarity, actually, I think that's what the book calls it. And it starts with common, then uncommon, then rare, very rare, and then legendary. And then there's another like tier that I think is kind of legendary, but the books call them like artifact items. But they're basically like legendary plus. Just depends on how you look at it and what book you're getting them from. So those are basically the the tiers of of magical items. Um and I will say that the DMG and Xanathars give you um, some ranges of like how much an item is, like what its value is kind of thing. Um, I personally think that those scales are a little skewed. <laughs> some of the items are are not priced appropriately for what they are, but that's a good starting point anyway. There's a lot of third-party material if you want to get down the nitty-gritty of like how much a magic item should cost and stuff like that. Yeah, Xanathar breaks everything down to the rarity and how many days it takes to craft for the rarity. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just like overload. Like you don't need <laughs> to get into the nitty gritty of how an item is crafted, like especially if it's magical, unless you really, really want to. But uh, usually yeah. I just ignore all that stuff. I think it depends on your players too, because I've played with people that specifically like want to go and like, and do like the monster hunter thing where they go and find, you know, like the pelt of some monster and get like items and make stuff with it. So it just depends on like what your what your characters want to do if you're well, the one yeah. doling out magic items that, and stuff. That part is okay. Like if they specific like artificer, for example, uh, if they want to like collect the materials themselves or go on a quest or having a quest to craft a, an epic item or whatever, I think that part okay. But like getting into the nitty gritty, like this is gonna take three months of in-game time for you to craft. I, like, we, we could just skip that part, you know? Yeah. I, I think for some reason, this is a little a little off the, the path here, but I think for some reason, players don't like downtime. And I don't know why. Because <laughs> to me, if I'm making, like, a legendary item, yeah, it's going to take a long time. You know, same thing, like, if, if the players, like, wanted to make a castle. Yeah, it's going to take a long time in-game, too. It just depends on, like, your play style. But I know I know you all, in our games, like, you very rarely took any downtime whatsoever. Maybe a week one time. Yeah, I, I think, I, I know for sure maybe one or two of us aren't super into that sort of yeah part of the D&D experience. Like all of us don't want it. Yeah. I me personally I don't mind either way if people want to like if you have a character who's let's say like a wizard or something and you every time we have a long rest you want to like 
do a little thing about how you're weaving an enchantment or, you know, leading us uh, on an expedition to find like a rare crystal or something for your next spell. It's like, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Like if you want to get in a little bit of detail on, on like the making of something cool, like I'm on board. I'm, I'm here for the ride. We're all having fun, but I can totally see how that would be a little bit much for some types of players. Mm -hmm. I think because we're streaming and live streaming, that we I don't know maybe it's we're mentally tricking ourselves like oh players viewers don't want to want to watch this is boring stuff right it's kind of not not that it's mundane but it feels like for mm -hmm. viewers to be mundane so maybe if we change our our perspective on that and we're like oh let's try it and then like especially yeah if we're on a quest of forge and a relic or something um yeah I don't know yeah I noticed you all were mentioning, like you mentioned Artificer and mentioned Wizard, like creating magic items and stuff like that. Um, we're kind of, you know, jumping back and forth here, but uh, I will say too that in, based on what Xanathar's had, it's only based on your Arcana skill. So um, if you're proficient in Arcana, you don't have to be a wizard. It could, it could be anybody. You yeah, can make magic can, items. Anyone can craft as long as they have it. They don't have to be a, an Arcane spellcaster to, to make stuff. Yeah, I want to address something, and and Zeus is going to know my opinion to this because I saw it in the chat, uh, and, and didn't mean to cut everybody off there. But this is something. This is one of my pet peeves about magic items. <laughs> I'm going to go off here. So Zeus says rarity is only half the equation. Minor and major makes a huge difference. So there are things that Xanathar's brought up specifically, I believe. Xanathar's brought up the idea of minor and major magic items as opposed to rarity. And I think it was a decent system. So things like potions or whatever, or different, you know, smaller things are minor, but other things of the same rarity and category could be major. Um, I'm going to find a specific example. So I'm just not talking uh, like anecdotally here, but. Was this used alongside of rarity, or is this used as yes. a whole different system? Than it's like... used alongside it. Okay. Um, so what they did is they basically took magic items and basically tiered them. It's based off of like the random magic item tables, like the A, B, A through F or whatever that's in Dungeon Master's Guide, as yeah. well as Xanathar's, um, and it makes distinctions between them. Um, of like which tier of items are this, but but my pet peeve with with minor and major magic items is that it says they exist in the Dungeon Master's Guide. The Dungeon Master's Guide, there's nothing about minor and major magic items. Xanathar's retroactively applies it to magic items in in the DMG and items in Xanathar's. And to my knowledge, those terms never appear anywhere else ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so any any magic item that was added to the game after Xanathar's, of which there are quite a few, aren't major or minor, and you have to just make your best guess as to where they are. Uh, and then my my bigger pet peeve about that is if you use like their premier online tool, D and D Beyond, 
there is literally no way to tell if something is a minor or major magic item on that website unless you're looking <laughs> yeah. in the book specifically of which yeah. if i was going to look in the book i wouldn't use the ntp beyond <laughs> yeah because they only listed my rarity <laughs> yeah 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 so, so i think it's a good idea to have it but i don't i don't think that they i think they introduced it, it was a good idea and then and then didn't follow through with it <laughs> this is what wizard needs to do now like they did in three five is because there's so many more spells and more items across a plethora of books they need to come out with compendiums like a magic item compendium and a, and a magic spell compendium where it lists everything in in one book that way you don't have to reference five different books to find what you're looking for mm-hmm. So I think that's something they need to do. I don't know how that is going to work moving forward with their next version of D&D, but... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's a good idea, but after Xanathar's, there's tons of magic items that exist outside of Xanathar's and DMG that just, you would yeah. never... There's no there's no way to tell what, what, um, what sort of, if they're minor or major. Good idea yeah, that, that doesn't have page. the... Yeah, good idea that doesn't have the follow through with it and doesn't make it easy. So I don't personally use it. If you stick to just DMG and Xanathar, so great, you can. But yeah, there's there's plenty of stuff there. But um, yeah, like all the new books have like ton of stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing that we're, I think we were talking about a little bit before stream is is like every like every new adventure or, or new source book or something like is gonna add add new magic items to them. So it gets really hard to keep track of, but. Uh, anyway, that's that's just my my small feeling about that. Great idea. Wish they would have stuck with it. Because it makes it really hard to to work with it if the tools aren't built around it to use it, I think. Yeah, especially when you're like joining a, a new campaign or pre-existing campaign, but you know, the it tends to be higher level. So like, oh, you get three uncommon miners and then get a rare major and so forth and a Every time I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what these are. <laughs> I always have to, I just go to a wiki and, and find out and just like, please list, find list of magic items with filters and tabs, please, because I don't want to, I don't want to try to Google this too hard. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the same thing that happened because I was playing in a game ran by Zeus. And that's where that happened. I was like, how the fuck do I tell if this is major is minor or major? <laughs> oh, well, this yeah, came in this Zeus. book, so there's no way. It's, it's not Zeus's fault. He didn't read the damn books. Do you feel like um you had a good like idea? Do you feel like the best option for them going forward to be have like a whole book dedicated to just those things or try to uh compile that into like the dungeon master's guide or something? Or would that make the Dungeon Master's Guide just too big? It would have to be a supplemental book because of how many adventure books are out and, and, and rules books and all this stuff keeps mm-hmm. introducing more new stuff, especially that are like thematic to the, the uh, what's it called, um, adventure books. Uh, yeah, they would just have to make a separate book that compiles everything and they can change all the erratas or whatever and then just kind of fully organize like all this like the minor and major stuff from the DMG into this new compendium. If if it were me going forward, if they wanted to use that system, don't base minor or major based on where it falls on the random like magic items table. Just literally put it on the item. 
if it's minor or major. And that solves a lot of those problems because that's the problem that yeah. I have is just um, look at look at the item and say, oh, this is minor. Oh, it goes here. That would be a much easier way to do it. I guess that can lead us into for those that have DM'd games or that are currently DMing. Mm-hmm. Are, magic, are awarding players magical items, can that be... Is that a fun uh, thing for DMs to do, or do you think some people just avoid it because it is such a pain to like look at where all the stuff is available and what they are, and to be able to award that in a campaign? Like, how do, how does as a DM do you go about uh, awarding players if you even do then? I know for me, I I do two things. So I do. A, a lot of random rolling for items too. Um, just rolling on a table, seeing what I get, and then throwing it in in the 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 loot that that is going to drop in like an adventure or something like that, or like a quest. Um, I think that's fun because um, you definitely you definitely don't want to just give players like only specific things that they want. Like that they're mm-hmm. asking for because it really takes kind of the fun out of what's going to drop what kind of loot are we going to get how can we use this kind of stuff so i like to do a lot of the random random rolling and then aside from that i will cater specific items to players so i do a little bit of both um i think it's fun to find the random stuff that you may not have thought that you would want to wanted but you want to work with it because you have it and then there's the items that or catered to this character because it could really, you know, fit their character's needs. So I like doing both because I think there's rewards to both ways of thinking. Yeah, I think that sounds like a, a reasonable way to do it. Like, do random, like, roles for just kind of... Since there is so many items out there that do any number of things, some of them are, like, meh, some of them are really good. To have, like available random things in loot is i think fun for the players Mm -hmm. when those things pop up because like i you're not gonna have a magic item every single time players loot right right yeah so but then as then having more specific items as like a reward for a big story arc or something for a particular character i think also makes sense as well like if the players have been on like uh 10 session arc for like some characters or multiple characters story arcs and at the end of the road is like this amazing sword that the barbarian is just gonna like love or Mm -hmm. you know a staff that the the cleric is just gonna fall in love with i think that's pretty cool too Mm -hmm. yeah i think you also want to reward your players too because the point of dnd is to grow and get stronger Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's always fun for players to get cool loot. And then, you know, and you seeing them getting excited makes you happy, right? Yeah. I guess that's um, kind of why I wanted to talk about this subject. Because there's there seems to be a lot of, like, with the amount of stuff available, it's over the course of a campaign, how do you... How do you avoid, I guess, power creep when players do <laughs> get certain items? Because I feel like... You know, you want to give players cool stuff, but at the same time, you don't... I can see you not wanting to snowball things to a certain point. Like, 
you don't want players to get too powerful by like level six where the, <laughs> it makes it harder for you to plan the next three levels out yeah and that's a really good question because there there is guidance of that specific thing in uh i know it's in xanathar's for sure that kind of gives you a guide of like hey here's here's how many items like magic items that um that a player or that a party can expect over like those you know one to twenty like the whole campaign so you just follow some of those guidelines it'll tell you like you know so many minor ones so many major ones if you're using that system um and things like that so that's that's helpful um and I kind of follow by that to some degree. I'll mix in like consumables with that because consumables will still count. Um, there's also considerations based on like, are you running like a like a standard campaign? Are you running like a low magic campaign? You're running a high magic campaign and those kind of skew those numbers in both directions too. Um, but for the power creep stuff, that's what I tend to tend to follow more than anything. So, gotcha. yeah, it's really up to the DM to decide how quickly, yeah, that power creep's going to ramp up because you're the one deciding to give these players these items, especially if like you're handcrafting items to cater to specific characters or, or they happen to roll like a 99 on the random loot and got something crazy powerful. But like, I think there's ways where the, as the DM, you can. Like yeah, they have they found this crazy powerful item, but you maybe you you level gate it right or story gate it so like eventually the, the item gets reaches full potential potential as the the players get higher level or something. Yeah, and and it's really hard as a DM um, to walk something back after yes. you give it to your party. <laughs> yeah. It's much easier to err on the side of caution because that's not going to feel good for anybody if I'm like, hey, VS, that thing I gave you, like, I got to take it away, man. It's way too powerful. You're, like, running over everything. Like, nobody wants that, that kind of stuff. I mean, you probably understand because yeah. you're a reasonable person, but <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> over I... my character's cold, dead body. Yeah, I, I would... <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Is like, how would that play out? Wouldn't you have to, like have just a, a a scenario in the game where it's just like you know get th this item has to go or something bad happens or like you have that, to throw it in a pit of lava to save somebody or you know that's i mean that's one way to handle it for sure um in that a specific scenario where if let's say i gave you something that's way more powerful than i thought it was and it was kind of ruining the experience Mm -hmm. that's one of the times that I would I would handle the situation outside of the game. Because I think some situations are just better handled outside of it and just talking to people. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll play out the hypothetical here is, is you have some super badass dagger that just rolls over, you know, enemies and like no one's getting to really play because you're just killing everything. That'd be something I'd kind of say, hey, VS, like, I don't want to take your magic item away, but like, People aren't having fun because of it, and it's my fault. Like, what can we do to make it better? Like, how can we tweak it to make it more in line? That's the kind of thing that I would do specifically. Yeah. But I do like your idea, Zeus, of having magic items that grow with the character, like what we had with Valken in the first campaign. Those <clears> are really fun, I think, too. It's, it's something you, you don't want to do that all the time, but I think it's it's fun to sprinkle some of those in into your campaign, too. 
something yeah, where like third, the properties change like mm-hmm. at a certain point that does something new or something extra unlock stuff yeah yeah that's that is a pretty cool idea what are you gonna say moves oh i was just saying in in the previous editions they called it legacy weapons um mm-hmm. either they they well in three five specifically like at base leveled as you leveled so it would well as you're unlocking stuff as a player as a character a class the weapon would also be unlocking stuff as a weapon so it's basically mm-hmm. like a weapon class that's what they did in in the third edition you know what's what's funny about that is this kind of like moving a little bit away from magic but the they talked not too long ago uh, um who's the main guy the main D guy um chris perkins jeremy crawford yeah him uh i believe he, there was an interview where they were talking about like what new stuff they wanted to do with backgrounds uh going yeah. forward and how they wanted to have like feats tied to backgrounds where there'll be a specific feat and you know starting off it does one thing and if you choose to continue having that feat as mm-hmm. you level then it will continue to like gain extra features or get it a little bit stronger it's like i forget what they called it but kind of that similar idea yeah. where i think there's they are like with some things actually looking to implement that as like mm-hmm. an official thing in some ways so and maybe th- they'll do that with magic items and and stuff like that too a lot of the i think a lot of the artifact level magic items um do some of that as well that they kind of grow with the character under certain conditions and stuff like that Hmm. yeah i think that that part's pretty neat uh aside from that there's some other things in in there i I don't want to get back up on my minor major soapbox again because we kind of (laughs) kind of already already (laughs) covered that that's where we spun off from um i respect the system i just don't like it but there's other things that come into consideration with a magic item. So, you know, your character comes into comes into contact and they have an, an item that is potentially, um, you know, a magic item. Like, how do they know? That's There's some systems in place for that, for the game. Um, one of which is the identify spell. That's what the identify spell is for, is to identify magic items. Um, and I will say is, Two is what's also neat about identify spell, uh, and this is is buried in the books, which is which is fun. But identify mm-hmm. doesn't reveal a cursed weapon either, so that's where you can have some fun. We'll talk about curses later on, but you can just identify. And I think there's also the the basic rule of basically if you take a short rest with that item, you spend an hour messing with it, then you basically identify it for what? free. Would revealing a curse be something that a cleric would have to do, or somebody with the cleric spell list? I think a bard. Um, legend, legend lore. lore. Legend mm-hmm. lore. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't know if it was like a detect evil or something. I don't know. I mean, it can be a creative use, depending. But legend. I think what's what legend lore is is for. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's possible you could de- use detect alignment on an object if it's like an evil. If there's like an, the soul of a demon in it, like, or something, you know. Like. Detect alignment. Yeah, to three point five moves. 
<laughs> it's a good and evil. Sorry. Uh, sorry. My whole life was three five. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries, man. No I like worries. hearing about some of the stuff that were in older versions of D and D because I'm not familiar at all. The only, no, oh the only stuff God. I'm aware of is from five E. Mm-hmm. So three, three five went freaking hard on magic items. Like you had a slot for everything. There was a, there was you had a shirt, but then you can also wear armor of your shirt. And then there's vests and cloaks and embracers and rings and like you name it. Like every slot had a thing. <laughs> but you could be super tricked out in three five, and all of it had monetary value. So like three, third edition went super hard on power fantasy. If you want to gear yourself out from head to toe, you can. And then I think fifth edition was like, well, all right, maybe we need to we need to kick this back because so transitioning for me because me and my friends played three five for so long. Even though when fifth edition was going, uh, we tried because we tried fifth edition. We're like, yeah, we don't like it. We're gonna go back to three five. Because we spent so much time cultivating our own homebrew campaign setting. But then we're like, all right, let's finally play 5th edition. So the transition from us from going to high magic, high power fantasy stuff to 5th edition, where it's like low magic, magic items are not readily available for you to purchase. You have to find them or the DM has to give them to you. So we, we struggled really hard of trying to find the right balance. Um, I think we finally figured it out. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, 3 5 was like a wild time. <laughs> you, you was it that hard to get magical items in the like the the beginning of fifth edition? So there's a couple of things that I'm I'm glad that you brought up that I wanted to cover. So in in fifth edition, um, it, it's based on like the DMG that magic items are supposed to be like scarce, supposed to be rare, and that in the DMG it says they're not available for purchase. Like you just can't go buy magic items. In Xanathar's, they added rules for buying and selling magic items. So if you remember in campaign one um, with with Yorlis as your sort of magic item dealer, that's something that I kind of took from Xanathar's is that you have to go through basically a broker who knows people, um, who takes a finder's fee, that kind of stuff that has to like, you have to do some rolls on it. Uh, I honestly, I like that better. I think it makes magic items feel a little more special than just going to the shop and buying whatever you want off the shelves. That's kind of how fifth edition is different in 3.5. In, in that regard is that you just can't walk in and, and just buy them. So yeah, the general good store is not going to have high yeah, power yeah. magic items. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the downtime stuff comes in, like buying magic items, selling magic items, like creating, like crafting them. Uh, or I know that you, you said in the chat earlier, Zeus, the um the research downtime activity which allows you to research to see where could i find some of these objects in the world you know which is super cool to do um of like hey i want to find this really cool sword that is only in legend you do you spend a little time on research and then you find out you know oh it was in these ruins like that that's how that stuff could could play out so there's ways to do it but i don't i like that it's just not you know i go to the store and buy a magic item and then the it's, second thing, oh, go ahead, go ahead before I go. No, on. no, I don't want to. You're going to a second point. The, yeah, the second point that I was going to bring up too is aside from buying and selling, you mentioned being like tricked out in magic items. Yeah. That's why fifth edition brought in attunement, which is which is a sort of I think it's new. I don't know if any other edition had that off the top of my head. If they did, then I, I apologize. But the idea of attunement is 
certain magic items require you to attune. Um, basically, that spending time with that item to to basically bind it to you. You spend it over, I think, an hour. Same thing as as trying to identify it. And then the idea of attunement is you can only be attuned three magic items at once. So that's the maximum, unless you're an artificer, then you get more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's to kind of help with that. I have all magic items all over and, and I have like 10 items and eight, you know, five rings and all that kind of shit. Yeah, I, I kind of like that personally. I mean, that's a staple in a lot of like video games where you only have so many slots for yeah. stuff. And mm -hmm. if you get something new that you think is better than got to figure out what piece of old equipment that you're going to have to replace. I like that idea because it, it kind of, like it, you said, it keeps you from just becoming a behemoth of power overall. Like with yeah. some games that works and that's fine. Yeah. But I feel it, like uh, where you're building a character and, and you're following like, I don't know, a storyline or whatever. It's like, oh, at the end of it, if you're just like, no, I have everything. I'm super powered. <laughs> It kind of takes away something from it. Mm -hmm. It forces the player to really think what about their character and what and what items they want. Yeah, makes you make choices. And then yeah. another thing is, it's up to the DM too, like the DM's playstyle or the party, like session zero. Like, how powerful do you guys want? How much magic do you want? Like in our in another game I'm in, we have four attunement slots instead of three, because uh, we tend to run more, like more power creep as you said mm -hmm. like, we like to be more stronger but we are like we are like higher level like campaign one we're like level 12 so the dm wants to give us more powerful items because he wants to throw he likes to throw bigger and heavier stuff at us because he's mm -hmm. he likes to try to kill us see that's <laughs> that's cool because we're i think pretty soon we're going to be talking about like high level high powered D and I think that's one of the topics on the table so that'll be That'll be interesting. I feel like that's something not many people get into, maybe. Not a lot of campaigns do high level. Moves I've never seen like a super high level. So <laughs> I'm interested in like, you know, hearing more about that. But mm -hmm. <sighs> Zeus yeah. says fourth edition had attunement, but okay. you got I more played, slots as you leveled. I played a little bit of fourth edition, but fifth edition is by, my, by far the one that I most played. But that's so attunement humble. anyway. You can only attune to one type of thing. So you can't have like if, there's, not, if you buy multiple rings, you can't attune if they're all the same kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, because you can wear you can wear three rings if you want, but you have to attune to all three of them. If yeah, and it's another thing to say too is not all magic items require attunement mm -hmm. either. Uh, and then in the DMG, it says that doesn't have a specific like slots for for like magic items. It just says like whatever makes sense with with you in the DM, like they have categories like weapons, armor, you know, all kinds of that other stuff. I think there's like weapons, wands, wondrous items, which is basically like just the everything else <laughs> category. Um, but yeah. it's whatever makes sense. You, you you can't wear like three shirts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Listen, I've seen videos where people put thirty shirts on. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're walking around like that kid from the Christmas Story when he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, how much AC would that add? Uh, negative. I would, because you can't I would, move. Yeah, but you would well, get resistance. Yeah, you get resistance. 
I don't know. And thanks for the follow, Stronghold. <laughs> Appreciate and it. And your allies get advantage on athletic rules when they're trying to roll you around. <laughs> <laughs> you have disadvantage in all dexterity. Yep. <laughs> Saving throws yeah, and ability you checks. Use, you have to use all of your movement speed to stand up. <laughs> yeah. It's a full full action to stand up and you have <laughs> negative 20 movement. Oh, man. man. We just made it a magic item. It's the, the shirt of many things. Shirts. Shirt of many shirts. The suit of many layers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, which we did as home. We like to give each other homework before every tome of knowledge uh, to do something. And we all gave each other homework to make, make our own magic items. And uh, except for Max, he was, yeah, I didn't, I didn't make one. I didn't come up with one in time. It's okay. <laughs> I made, I made three, I made three magic. So items. I, I will say if we're, if we're jumping over to creating magic items and we're not talking about like crafting, we're talking about like making new ones that don't exist anywhere else. I think before we jump into this, I want to throw out some, some knowledge there since I, since I didn't make one, okay. <laughs> a, a, a couple things. One, you don't have to create your, you said this in the beginning, you don't have to create your own magic items from scratch. If you don't want to, there's plenty of magic items. If you're new and you don't want to do it, if you, if you just look for something, it's out there, I promise. Um, but if you do go into, um, sort of jump diving into making your own magic items, um, for me, it's one of my weaknesses for moobs. He loves it and he can crank out magic items all day. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, dude. It's my jam. It's one of my weaknesses, but I'll say like what I've done in the past, cause I worry about power creep and being, you know, things not as balanced as they need to be. Um, what I do is if I'm making a magic item, one, I'm just thinking, why am I making it in the first place? Is it because what I want doesn't exist? You know, is it, is it, you know, important to the story i'll go down that route and then what i'll do is i'll think about how powerful i want it and i'll look at other magic items i'll look and see what they do and i'll i'll borrow or i'll do something similar um or if this magic item granted this kind of spell i'll make mine grant a different kind of one uh there's plenty of ways to do it i just cheat off the items that are already out there <laughs> in the first place um for any ones that i that i make so that's kind of what I do is just check the power level, make sure that it makes sense and then kind of go, go from there. So I think that's really the, the important thing. And I think, I don't know if, I think there's specific rules in the DMG. I'll look for that while you're talking about the stuff that you made though. Well, I guess I can ask you cause you made magic items for our characters in campaign one. That's true. Uh, what, what was your process of making the Herald's Tabard? All right, let me remember what that did. It absorbed. Uh, I could basically negate a hit as a reaction. But if like it was a super BB hit, it negated all damage, all type damage. I think I, if I remember correctly, I think what I did in that specific scenario is I wanted something cool to drop from the enemy that you defeated to get that, that was meaningful to your character. But I think in that specific case, I straight up lifted an epic boon and put it on a magic item instead. Instead of just inheriting it as a player, as an epic boon, it was part of the magic item. So kind of that big borrow steal that I was talking about earlier, I think that's how I made that anyway. I think that's one of the epic boons. 
Oh man, Ron had epic boon. <laughs> Y'all had a lot of shit. <laughs> you did. I was I'm so mad look- he gave us the Holy Avenger though. <laughs> I, yeah, it was so it was so funny because I had this we had this plan um, for for VS's weapon de- depending on on which direction he went and how the campaign went. I don't want to get too deep into that for anybody who hasn't seen the first campaign and there's there's discussions for that type of stuff. But um, I know that you as a paladin, like I want Holy Avenger, I want Holy Avenger, and I felt so bad because that was already the plan and one of like one of the, like the the paths that that Falcon could take for his weapon. <laughs> there were some changes to it though. There were a little bit of tweaks on it, but it was it was that as a base for sure. All right. Well, since we always make VS go first, I'll start. Since I have three items, I'll do one and sure. then we'll go to VS. And then, of course, if there's any any questions in chat uh, pertaining to item creation or just how to deal with magic items in general for a campaign, uh, can Bucket have a magic item? Bun has a question already and say yes. Can Bucket have a magic item? Say yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, only if it's a only if it's a knife or a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> the crab meme with the knife. The yes. crab meme. Yes, this bucket's a crab. <laughs> uh, so I made I made three items, uh, and one was like pretty simple, and the second one was more involved, and then I made a third one, uh, like as a tierative thing. Like this is what you could do with item. This is how you can make it more OP, and this is how you can make it a curse item. So. I'll start with the the first item I made. It's called the Blink Shield, the plus one shield. And uh, we're, I just arbitrary, arbitrarily added how many usage a day. So it's like two per long rest. It resets upon, charges re- reset upon long rest. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the wielder can use the reaction and the shield will blink to an ally that you see within 30 feet. Um, and add a shield bonus of plus three. So it's like a, a, an activatable mini shield for the tank or whoever's wielding the shield. And then after the reaction, the, the ally gets plus three shield bonus and then it return, it blinks back to the, to the wielder. That's really, really fucking cool actually. <laughs> Cause when you said blink shield, I was thinking like taking like, like what blink dogs do yeah. or like the, um, isn't there a spell that does that? Is it called Blink? Am I losing my mind here? Yeah, Blink Dogs, the spell Blink. Um, but but now, I flavored it with the Blink Dog type effect where the shield blinks yeah. to an ally and then gives you like a mini shield, like the spell shield, uh, which it's gives you cool. plus five, but this gives you plus three and you could do it twice a day or per long rest. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't go into the nuance of if it's a major, uncommon, rare. It sounds like a rare item. Yeah, plus one, and it gives you a cool mini shield ability that you can use for your allies. And I think I think twice a day is a reasonable amount of of uses. I tend for me, I tend to either do like once a day or once a short rest or like D four uses per day. That's that's all I, I've seen each different variations of that on different items. Yeah, charges seem to be the one. And then if you expend all some like some of the themes that some magic item has, if you expend all charges, there's a chance the magic item can break, um, which is like okay. So it makes players kind of have to like manage how many uses they have left. Mm-hmm. But that's my bleak shield. I think that's really cool. 
Now I can't make my own blink shield since you already made one. You, you can take it. It's fine. <laughs> just messing with you. <laughs> Anyone listening or watching can, can adopt it into their campaign. All right, VS. Okay. I call this one Ida's Incredible Elixir Bottle. I wasn't sure on the rarity because I don't know if this is strong or weak, but what it does is it's a small crystal bottle that's enchanted. And once per day, it has a chance to fill with a red healing elixir of varying strength. How it works is the player who has the bottle once a day can roll a D100. And based on what they roll, determines the strength of the potion. So, hmm. but it's, there is a chance that it doesn't fill at all. So, from 1 to 9, it doesn't fill. 10 to 49, you get the equivalent of a potion of healing. 50 to 74, you get the equivalent of a greater 75 to 99, the equivalent of a superior. And if you happen to land on 100 for that day, you have access to a supreme level healing potion. If you don't use the potion, at the end of the day, it disappears from the bottle. You have to roll again and get a refill. And so if you happen to roll the supreme and don't use it, well, you, you lose it. You have to roll something else. Yeah. I like that. That's super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Y'all are way better at this than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said, I don't know in terms of gameplay. I once per day to have a chance that like there's a lot higher chance that you're gonna roll like the a normal healing and then you know slightly smaller for the better ones. I feel like it's not too strong. It's only one use. It could mm -hmm. be a later game item. I don't know. Is it one use and it's gone, or is it like once a day, it's, it's, it's always it's something like, different? It's once per day will grant you one use of whatever strength you get. Or if you get really unlucky and roll one to nine, it doesn't fill at all. Mm -hmm. I, I like the item a lot. That's, that's pretty, that's a lot. There's a lot of flavor. There's a lot, there's a lot of mechanics that went into it because it's using a D100 percentage. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's a fun item. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would probably put that. I think because the ability to get those super high level potions, I'd probably put it at rare. Yeah. Maybe, maybe very rare, but rare seems seems fitting. And yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at, Zeus. Is like if you don't use it, then it you you the person who has it, you might as well roll every day. Yeah. Or you know, I, I expect them to roll at every, you know, long rest, sleep time or whatever. Or the next morning or whatever. Because why not? I mean, that's a free, potentially a free potion. Now, I don't know how you would go about a player finding something like that. Could be loot. Could be, you know, them gathering information. Maybe the person has an interest in, I don't know, alchemy or potions. And they want to... They heard rumors of an enchanted potion bottle or something. Or a magical antiquity shop that has a chance of spawning for the players to procure <laughs> obscure items. <laughs> or that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Here, I'll make one up on the fly. Yeah, let's um, 
So I thought y'all were gonna do weapons, so you didn't do weapon. So I'll just say um any it's gonna be on any one handed weapon. And on a hit with said weapon, you can spend I'll just say some resource, like bonus action, reaction, something like that. So it'll take more than just your action. On a hit, you can spend this. Um, and it would allow you to basically get the same effect of a dispel magic on the creature that you hit. Give it X amount of charges per day, maybe. Um, and then kind of go from there. Off the top of my head, just like scrolling through spells and looking at it. I don't know if that exists or not. It might already exist because it seems pretty, pretty obvious. But yeah, there's one. You Let's just say, a, 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 I don't know. Dagger of dispelling, what have you. You stab him with it. You, when you, if you hit him, then you can spend a resource, and then you get to dispel, you know, at the third level or whatever. I thought of something fun for our heavy weapon user friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be, I don't know, uh, gloves or gauntlets or something, but wearing it allows you to give uh, one heavy uh, one weapon that has the heavy property of your choice you can add the throwing property that weapon as well <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> so, i mean come on like that's a barbarian amazing. should be able to throw a great axe at somebody and not- <laughs> that's true that is true yeah they should that's awesome pair of gauntlets that <laughs> i just, love that you can pick one and and you can decide which heavy weapon per day and you can basically give that the throne property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's another, yeah, another awesome item. I, I would have a lot weapon. of fun with that. I'd just chuck a great sword at somebody. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I made a... It could be any weapon, but I chose a longsword. I call it the longsword of the void chain. It's a plus two. So it's a very powerful weapon. I would say it's maybe probably was it legendary? I don't know. Plus two, and then at will, as a bonus action, you can grant this weapon the reach property. Uh, so your weapon has reach, and it does a D four force damage. And then uh, once per long rest, as a, a standard action, uh, you stab your sword into the ground. And an enemy that you see within 30 feet must make a, a deck save or be restrained by these uh, void chains. And then at the end of his turn, it can make a strength or dex its choice to break free. Um, but if, uh, and then as a bonus action, if your target is restrained, the trains constrict and deal 2d8 force damage. Um, but while this sword is in the ground, you you don't have a weapon anymore. You don't have access to it. And then you can choose to either they break free and the sword is back to normal use or you just pull it out of the ground and you can start wielding the sword again. That's really cool too. Mm-hmm. You can do it for any weapon, two-handed, whatever. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I flavor his longsword. Hearing like these it. gives me all kinds of ideas. I'm jealous. I'm, I'm not good at this. Y'all are... Way better at this than I am, but I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to consult y'all on weapons that you're going to get either. That doesn't seem very fun. <laughs> what about? Well, I guess if you if you did it in in 
in max brain mode. Um, it's like the Eldritch tattoo where it gives you reach and you mm-hmm. do D6 force damage. And then so yeah. now I'm adopting the Black Tentacle spell as a, mm-hmm. as a weapon ability. Yeah, nice. Very nice. And then I have my... So it's I chose a weapon... No, like uh, an armor material. So you craft this into anything that you want, but it's catered to the moon druids. So I call it a uh, lycanthrope hide. And then if you, you obtain this hide, you can craft it into like hide armor, leather armor, hey doody, uh, or whatever, any leather type armor, studded leather. Um, so for a case of the druid, while they're wild shaped, uh, they get an additional plus two to natural armor. To, to whatever existing ar- they're getting ah. from whatever form they're capturing. And then I took it to a next level where while wild shape, you are resistant to slashing, piercing, and bludgeoning, non-magical. So if they mm-hmm. have magic damage, it overrides the resistance. Um, and then if you want to take it to the next level to make it even more crazier that uh, it gives the druid the ability to hybrid wild shape. So they kind of turn into a lycanthropy form, like a werebear, werewolf, wererat, whatever their flavor of were form they want to be. And mm-hmm. that would give them uh, advantage on strength and dex checks and also plus 10 to their movement speed. And nice. I took it a next step <laughs> to make it a cursed item. Mm-hmm. So after each use of hybrid wild shape, um, the the wearer must make a wisdom save, DC 15. And I arbitrarily chose DC 15 because of how many... This is, seems really powerful if you're adding all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they fail the wisdom save, they get a lycanthropy point. And if they get to three points, so they fail, they fail three times, uh, they permanently have the lycanthropy curse. So and then they had to go through the stuff yeah. to get rid of it. Do those points are they stacked up forever? They never reduce down. Uh, I made it where the points would reset after a full moon, so you would have to wait a month. Ah, uh, interesting. Interesting. Also, if they were using that, and you said that they are resistant to piercing, bludgeoning, and slashing, non-magical. Um, would you still allow the silvered weapons? to work the same way as I do with, with lycanthropes now? I would say so. Because if you're using thematic, the yeah. of a lycanthropy, yeah. So that was my super crazy item that, that has tirative to go as like, so you could go as crazy as you want or as simple as you want, where mm-hmm. you can just have it plus two AC while wild shape, you know? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Seems like one that could just grow with a character too. They keep unlocking yeah. stuff with it. And then find out it's cursed. And then they become a permanent were-giraffe or whatever form they like. <laughs> were-giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, I also put a sub-note. If you're a shifter, you would get advantage on these rolls because you kind of have that lycanthropy bloodline thing going. I like it. I need to start rethinking like how to make magic items in. Those are really unique. Uh, applied to anyone wearing it under the effects of transmutation spell or effect like well shit polymorph and alter self. I think it would work with polymorph. 
I thought of another fun one for our either fighter or yeah, maybe paladin or barbarian. Basically, a mall, right? Mm-hmm. Or I like malls. That's the yeah. Uh, call it the hammer of the earth mover, where you can a number of times. Uh, I think. Uh, I think it would be best equal to your proficiency modifier. You can use your bonus action to strike the ground with the mall, allowing you to create a 15 foot cone out in front of you. Enemy, enemy caught within it has to make a deck save, or they take some number of dice bludgeoning damage. And the area where that cone was now becomes rough terrain perfect yeah for the remainder of the of the combat i like you could that. even you could even make it to where that they or you can make it 30 feet and get wild <laughs> <laughs> no because when he thought slamming the ground i was like i was gonna make that difficult terrain is he isn't he you could also make it where they have to make a check to not fall prone oh yeah so you could you could make it um yeah they could like fall a... prone and take full damage if they fail to save yeah, so instead of a bonus action, you could make it like a full action, like an alternate full action, mm. to, because it has range to it now as a barbarian. So you slam yeah. your hammer to the ground, they bonus take damage, strong. take damage, half as much on a save, and if they don't save, they fall prone. Yeah, that'd be pretty gnarly. Yeah, like the... Basically, you're, you're imbuing or... Yeah, you're taking all your your strength and imbuing it through the mall, and you can have it. I don't know. You can the DM can give it any kind of flavor. Say say it glows or it gets shards of rock that grow around it before it hits the ground, or however you want to do it. But Mm -hmm. I think that would be a fun one. Allowing it, it gives the melee user uh, some form of like. control like uh cc that they might not normally have where you can where mostly it's a caster that could do something like that this gives but the potential for a little bit of uh tactical play for the melee user i think it's a cool idea for sure a a nice fun usage Mm -hmm. um and if you want to try your hand at like creating your own magic items for those that are that are listening, the DMG has a specific like creating a new item and then kind of walk you through like, hey, you know, if you're giving this item a, a spell, like if you want it to be rare, it has to be this level spell or below or like if it's like a sword, like what you were saying, like a plus three, like if it's plus three, that automatically makes it very rare, you know, on on the scale of magic item power. So... Yeah, it has a little bit of of guidance there. Not a whole lot, but it has some. But also it talks about, you know, you can combine magic items together. Um, You can switch stuff out. Like, you know, if... I think the one they have in in the book, too, is is if you have a paladin um, and you want to give them Holy Avenger, but they don't use a sword, they use, like, a flail instead, then just make it a flail. Like, (laughs) it's, it's fine. Or, yeah. you know, if, if someone, um, cause I think one thing that I did with, with one of Bun's weapons from the first campaign is just give it some effects and then change the type of damage that it does. Like if it was originally supposed to do fire, make it do lightning, make it do poison, something like that. Changing, changing those damage types 
doesn't really affect a whole lot, to be honest. Unless it's force damage, because I don't think anything resists force damage. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. force I think force okay. and radiant, yeah, are the top two that are least resisted. Now that um, they are adding the the guns, they're adding the guns to the player's handbook, right? Or the uh, yeah, yeah, for the the one D and D playtest stuff, yeah. I think it'd be kind of funny if there was a um, a magic gun that was like. I don't know, combat, combat medics experimental pistol, where you can, as a bonus action, change the ammunition and give it healing properties so that you can shoot a teammate with it and give them the benefit of like a healing kit or like a, like what Bun did for us in the first campaign with mm-hmm. the tonics. It's just like, you know, <laughs> maybe it's like very limited, like three times per long rest or something, but... See, that's a really, like a really cool idea that you can come up with where as you're thinking of that and, and when you say a, a gun of healing I'm thinking like well that, sh- that could be just a wand of healing of like healing word like I'm making a wand of healing word um, yeah. but then you just kind of take that idea and run with it of like oh well if I have a wand of healing word and then I have like a, a, a wand of I'll just, I'll just say magic missile for just the, the first thing that popped in my mind yeah oh combine those two flavor it as a gun based on like what vs says and then make it you know an action or bonus action whatever to switch the ammunition that you're using mm-hmm. so that's yeah flavor stuff however you want i think that that could be really cool too i just i just like the idea of like somebody carrying around this pistol and having a hurt teammate and just going <laughs> yeah and it's <laughs> and not gonna break them. anything because it's i mean yeah. yeah there's plenty of range dealing spells so yeah Again, another way for maybe like a, a non-magic user to have an effect similar to a spell. Yeah, because there's already magical ammunition in Dungeons and Dragons, so why not with with gun ammunition with the bullets? Mm-hmm. So it, it yeah. totally makes sense. Totally works. I'm I'm thinking about a character that could do that. <laughs> the the healing gunslinger. <laughs> and I'm yeah, and I think about too, and the way that I like to treat like firearms in D&D that I picked up from my previous DMs is, is things that that work with crossbows make them work with guns too like feats related to crossbows make them work like they do with guns that kind of stuff ammunition make it work the same way you know if there's magic ammunition for one thing like you said make it to where it works with guns too because I think <laughs> that it depends on like your fantasy world like where you're in but I think in both of the ones that I've had firearms are available of like your sort of, you know, musket type situation, flintlock, all that kind of stuff. I know there's some cool stuff with not necessarily like ammunition related or whatnot, but just um, I think it's unearth arcana for an artificer. There's a spell that if they they can use a bonus action to to change to give the weapon another d6 damage, but of an element of their choice. That's and cool. they have to use a bonus action to change the element mm-hmm. to a different element. But basically, yeah, you, you just get like an extra D6 of damage and it's you pick the element. Mm-hmm. Fire, ice, whatever. Like things like yeah. that I always think are super cool. I wish it was like not in the Unearthed Arcana, but it was like <laughs> a lot of fun stuff never made it out of yeah. Yeah. Unearthed Arcana, yeah. 
Because I was looking at like Artificer initiated. I was like, mm, let me see the Artificer spells. Oh, it's not there. <laughs> I think I just thought about this too, relating it to campaign too. So kind of case in point, like with with Hayden has like a hand crossbow, right? Mm-hmm. In my eyes, anything you can do with a hand crossbow, you can do it with a pistol, you know, in, in my game world. So if you happen to find a pistol and then get like a crossbow expert feed or something like that, that would still work with the pistol. Makes sense to me anyway. Yeah, I think Hayden would use a pistol. I mean, yeah, you're I mean, a bunch of scallywags. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, we did have a couple in campaign one. Stealth be damned, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you y'all found a whole cache of stuff and never really used it because it wasn't none of your characters really, you know, fit with them. I do need to to find like an armor and have some some new armor made. I feel like a squishy boy. You're only level three, guys. You're only level three. <laughs> well, we're all we're all twenty one HP, man. <laughs> yeah, we're super squished until Bun turns into a, a bear, and she's the tanky one. Yep. I mean, that's pretty much your whole your whole crew is pretty squishy, except for except for wild shaped Emmy. Yeah. Maybe maybe Emmy gets uh, lycanthropy hide armor. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Emmy gets a magic gun. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, oh uh, whatever y'all that think. That would be funny. A werebear shooting magic pistols. <laughs> Shark with lasers. Whatever you want. It's your yeah. D&D campaign. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. It's a, a fighter build in 5e with hand crossbow, crossbow expertise. Sharpshooter, we nicknamed the Desert Eagle. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, isn't that essentially like the optimal if ranged build? Yeah, I think so. Also, sharpshooter. Hmm. Yeah. For now, a lot of feats. Mm-hmm. For now, but yeah, for, until, for go ahead. I was gonna say until sharpshooter goes away. <laughs> Oh, they yeah, that's right. They're changing those. Yeah, they're getting rid of the minus five plus ten. Mm-hmm. They're so good though. It's uh, yeah. I mean, they're nice boosts. Well, I know we I said we were gonna make an item together, but we kind of just made we a went bunch ham. Yeah, I don't think we yeah. need to now. But yeah, we're good. I will say too, from like the DM perspective, of like when to dole out magic items and like how many and stuff like that um what i usually do is you've got like the in the dmg it has sections of like how to give out treasure and stuff and it has like the treasure hoard like tables uh, one of the things that that i do which was taught to me when i was a, a baby dungeon master is for like a story arc or like a specific mission or like a quest, you can roll on that treasure hoard table. And then whatever you get out of it, you can just sprinkle those items all the way through that that entire quest of like drops and pickups and stuff like that. So I think, for example, in campaign one, when y'all were in that large mansion trapped, I'm pretty sure that I had, because I knew it was going to be a multi- um multi-episode adventure type thing is just 
like rolling on the treasure hoard table for your appropriate level, you know, separate things, put some things in this room, some things in this room, some things over here. That's like, that's a really easy to do it, to use it as like a adventure arc, take that and then break it all up. It's much easier than trying to think of treasure for like each specific like encounter, <laughs> unless it makes sense for your story. I think that makes sense. So just, you know, trust the rolls, pull out the magic items. You know, if you want to do something specific, toss those in there too. But that's kind of how I, how I do it to make it easier for me anyway. Yeah. Speaking of it's easier, a- I used to do like, there's random loot generator websites where you can mm-hmm. put in the CR of the combat and it'll, it'll just poop out loot for you. But if you mm-hmm. want to get super lazy, it helps. It speeds up time a lot. Oh yeah, I I I find an online generator for the treasure treasure hoard table and I click roll and I go that looks good. <laughs> yeah, and or, then you can pick and choose like ah oh, we won't do that we can re-roll it or yeah that looks yeah, cool. You know that's that's what I do. I was like uh oh, like a painting doesn't make sense to be here, but what else could I put in there as as opposed to an art object or whatever? You know what I think would be a really fun encounter or m- multiple encounters throughout a a campaign is I. For those that have played like any of the uh, past Final Fantasy games or any, I guess, JRPG, there's typically a creature that's like a literal loot pinata that has like a ton of money on them or items or experience points. And they're usually like a rare occurrence in a, in a normal fight. They might show up and they're really hard to hit. And if you don't do enough damage fast enough, they run away. Like a loot goblin. Yeah, essentially, yeah. some <laughs> form of that. Having something like that as like a reoccurring thing in the campaign, where there's like the the party comes across a, a little creature that has like an enormous sack of goods, and having the party chase them down only to lose them, and then two levels down the road they see it again, and it's got an even <laughs> bigger bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just making a game out of can they actually hit this thing and do enough damage to kill it, and then get the bag. I think you have to be careful in some of those scenarios too um, because the more times it gets away, the more it's going to suck for your players and they're not going to like it anymore because <laughs> they'll know that they're missing out on items kind of thing. They don't yeah. know what's in that bag. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah it's like gonna, it could just be was, a bag of cheese. Sure. People love cheese. But I was saying that's a good excuse to use a skill challenge. Mm-hmm. my favorite my favorite or the the players aren't paying attention and then they end up somewhere they're not supposed to be and they're in, they're like in big trouble or if you want to get really devious and you got like a a, a reasonable table that's not going to get upset if they don't if somebody on watch doesn't roll high enough then a creature comes and pilfers a, a random item. Got to be careful. Or random items. <laughs> yep, that's a, that's a fast way to piss people off. <laughs> Got to be careful. It could if it if it if it leans into the story and they have opportunities to get it back. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Like I would not. If, mm-hmm. if something like that happens, it would be literally the next morning they would find its tracks and then. Yeah, yeah. Hey. That's a fun little side quest <laughs> type thing. Yeah. Um, a good point from chat too saying that when you use your treasure hoard and it spits out items you know make some of the bad guys along the way use said items 
Oh yeah. It makes it more makes it more immersive. So if if there's like a badass, you know, I'll just throw one out like a wand of fireballs or whatever, make somebody use that against them. Because <laughs> then I think it'll feel that much better when when the when the party takes it from them. That's usually the most rewarding is when you kill a baddie and take their loot mm-hmm. that they used against you, and you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's pretty good. That's that's magic items, pretty much. In a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Any other things? Any other questions you might have, VS, coming in from the player angle before we wrap it up? I mean, I learned a lot more about how these things work, how to go about choosing items to give out and mm-hmm. you know what is possible with the items. Yeah. It's cool. Nice. You're limited by your imagination. Yeah. And y'all's imagination is great. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thanks everybody for watching and hanging out with us. That was magic items. Uh, tomorrow, 7 PM is going to be an art stream with Bunny and Dreadful. Uh, and then of course on Thursdays or out of combat will drop on podcast and YouTube. There's a link to YouTube right now in the chat. If you're listening live or it's in the description, um, so go check out our YouTube. We're actually we're getting much closer to the number of watch hours we need to get partnered over there. So it really mean the world to us if you go check it out and watch a couple things. And then of course episode seven will be on Friday, six p.m. Pacific. So thanks everybody for yeah, thanks everybody for watching, and we'll uh, see you next time. Bye everybody. Take care. See ya. See ya.